see what John has to say about Jesus. And of course, it's not, this isn't like John's opinion about Jesus, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I want to be on camera, so I'm going to move over just a little bit. Thank you for the notes, Elizabeth. We good? You got my good side? Okay, there you go. Amen. On Thursday, I was driving in the car, taking the kids to school, and I heard a shout of acclamation in the back seat. Joy coming from Jack's car seat. He exclaimed, I lost my tooth. And uh, he had this wiggly tooth, and, and it was wiggly for way too long. I, I, I will confess, I used pliers at one point to try to get him out, and then we, we bailed. And I, I think I was more excited at one point than he was. I was like, oh, he's going to lose his tooth. This is awesome. But he was, once he lost it, he was so excited. Maybe we could show a picture. There he is, his first tooth. All his friends had already lost tooth, teeth ahead of him, and he was like, when is it going to be my turn to lose my tooth? And, and then he had the joy, right, of putting it under the pillow. And he woke up the next morning. We have like a little, a little pillow to keep the tooth in. He woke up the next morning and he was like, the pillow's still there. And he was like, the tooth fairy, what in the world? You know, I got gypped here. The tooth fairy didn't come. And then he picked it up and it jingled. And there were some quarters in there. And he was like, I got money. This is awesome. And then he goes, can we go to the dollar store? <laughs> it's like, Sure, you know, <laughs> got money, spend it on something and then throw that thing away and the next day or something. But he was so excited and, and it was cool kind of vicariously to experience that excitement through him. Because there's something exciting about losing your first tooth or just experiencing something for the first time, right? Remember when you saw like a movie with a great twist at the end and like that was amazing. But if I go and watch it again, it's, it's not the same feeling because I already experienced that, that twist there or... Again, I wanted that, that feeling that Jack had of, oh, loose tooth. If I have a loose tooth now, uh, it's a little nerve, nervous, right? <laughs> like, okay, I, it's going to be expensive. I'm in pain. There might be shouts, but it won't be of acclimation, right? <laughs> but there's a joy in discovering something fresh, discovering something for the first time. You know, when people interacted with Jesus for the first time in his ministry, there was something they noticed about him. There's something different about this rabbi. There's something different about this teacher, about this carpenter, about this guy that we're interacting with. There's something different about him. They ask questions like, who is this? How did he get so much wisdom, so much power? Why does he talk like this in parables? Don't we know his family? They were constantly befuddled, constantly trying to, who is this guy? And for some of us, when we experienced Jesus, when things clicked, when we looked at the scriptures and the gospel message made sense that God loves me, that I'm lost without him and I need him and he died for me so that I can be with him and I need to follow him and things fell into place, our, our eyes were opened and what, a, what an amazing experience. Maybe that was late at night over, over, you know, just reading the Bible by yourself. Maybe it was with some people. Maybe it was on a prayer walk. Maybe it was just, I don't know, walking into a museum, whatever it might have been, right? There, something clicked and it might not have been one moment. It might have been a, a series of moments where man, I, you get to discover Jesus. And maybe you, you had known Jesus and grown up singing songs about Jesus, but that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So, wasn't just a cliche anymore, but it made sense, and it was a, a reality that you got to experience. There was something so exciting about that. But sometimes in our Christian life, the excitement of getting to know Jesus can start to fade. You read a, you read a story in the Bible, you're like, yeah, I know how this turns out. Yeah, he, Spoiler alert, he's going to walk in the end, you know, or spoiler alert, you know, the tomb is empty. Like, I, I know how this thing's going to go. Or sometimes maybe you've heard so many lessons about uh, each story about Jesus 
that you're like, you, you read the Bible and you're thinking more about the person who taught a lesson on this at some point or some conference than you are thinking of the magnificence of Jesus as you're reading that scripture or some podcast that you listen to or, oh yeah, I read about this in a book and that can be great. But I want us over the next few weeks, kind of the first part of our I Agree With John study is getting to know Jesus all over again. Meeting Jesus again for the first time. Meeting Jesus again for the first time. Just discovering him again together. And what's cool is, is John chapter 1 through 5 really paints a picture of who Jesus is and allows us to get acquainted with Jesus again. There's that word. I, I, I'm going to say that one a lot <laughs> now that I figured it out. In the first five chapters of John, our first six sermons of the year, we have an opportunity to experience Jesus all over again. I believe that is the whole reason that John wrote his gospel, which, by the way, is very different than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It allows the reader of the Bible, and I think there's a reason that, that the Holy Spirit puts this in there, to shake things up and to, to shift our perspective of Jesus, to get to know him all over again. I believe God gives us a, an opportunity, John, in, in, uh, through God and the Holy Spirit, gives us an opportunity to re-meet God in the flesh through even just the very first sentence of this gospel. But before we read that, let's pray. God, you are exceptional. God, I'm so grateful to serve you, so grateful to know you. God, the fact that you want to be known by us is absolutely incredible. I pray that today as we come together that we can set aside our preconceived notions about Jesus and, and, and look at your son with fresh eyes, that we can allow him to dwell with us, God, and that we can choose to dwell with him, to be close to him, as that is your entire reasoning behind all of creation is to be close to us thank you for the message today and the reminder uh, that anthony shared god that we that you make a space for us and we have a space before you god in your son jesus name we pray amen let's read together john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that light, life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm actually going to read that again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The title of our message today is Light in the Darkness. Jesus is a light in the darkness. This, the very beginning of John, the very beginning of John's story of who Jesus is, starts with three important words. In the beginning. And if you're familiar with the Bible or the book of Genesis or the creation story, that's how the whole thing kicks off, in the beginning. And that's not like a coincidence. <laughs> that is through the Holy Spirit, John is saying, hey, something huge happened in the beginning, beginning, and something huge is happening right now. He's essentially saying, here comes the boom, right? It's about to happen. Something that changed everything on par with creation is happening when Jesus enters into our lives and enters into the story something new is happening it also makes this connection that jesus was around in the beginning he wasn't some idea and i grew up thinking this okay god created the world 
everyone was really messed up and they got worse and worse and God's like well what do I do okay I'll try this new thing and, and I'll send in Jesus and kind of like that wasn't his plan from the beginning that there wasn't this redemptive arc from the beginning but this is that no Jesus was a, a very part of creation there's there's cool stuff written about kind of why did God even create the world and one of the theories is that God who has a perfect relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus in this Trinity idea God, in that idea, says, I want to share this perfect relationship that I have with myself and with the different attributes of myself. I want to share that with somebody. He says, I want to share that with you. I want, uh, uh, Tim Keller describes it as a dance, this perfect dance, and he's invited us to join the dance with him, which I think is really cool imagery. But uh, there's this idea that, that Jesus has uh, been a part of creation from the beginning. There's a reason that uh, man is described as being made. Uh, God says, we'll make man in our image and so there's this this portrait of jesus was there from the very beginning that all creation came through god and also came through jesus later by the way we haven't read this yet but in verse 14 as we're talking about the word it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and so when we read in in verse you know one through five here when it mentions the word it's talking about jesus and that jesus the word made itself flesh jesus and dwelled among us that that the word was with God and with God, and if your head is hurting, that's okay. <laughs> it's a little bit out there to kind of contemplate that he is both with God and he was God. It's, it's a powerful thing. We won't dwell on it too much, take some Advil, and, and, and uh, think about it some more later. But Jesus is referred to as the word, which I love. I've, I've talked about this recently. But how did God create the world? With words. He used words. If I say, hey, turn on, turn on the lights, somebody has to go and turn on the lights, right? Or if I say, let there be light, somebody has to do something, right? Uh, even if I say, Alexa, turn on the light in my house, I'm still asking Alexa to do that. Recently, we were outside, and it was dark, and Anna goes, Alexa, turn on the light. And I'm like, I'm sorry, daughter, that's not, that's not how this works, but I, I love that, right? But uh, God, when he says something, it, it has authority behind it. It, is, uh, it has this um, uh, authority. That God says it and it happens. And so Jesus described as the word, that means who Jesus is is packed with the same authority. That he brings about transformation. We talked about that around Christmas time. As drastic of transformation, by the way, as darkness into light. It says in Genesis, the world was formless and empty, but then God said, let there be light, and everything changed. Everything was different. That's the kind of transformation that Jesus brings when he enters into our life the words in the beginning also depict an image of delight and i was talking to um i was actually talking to joaquin tristan he and i were talking about this passage just a little bit and we read it and he was like man i love this verse in him was the life and the uh and that life was the light of all mankind and he looks at me he just goes man god really likes us and i was like you're so right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the Genesis, we got to look back here. And I'm like, no, there's something powerful about God just likes us. God wants, you know, we, we know he has to love us. You know, when someone's like, I love you, you're like, okay, I know you have to love me. It's kind of mandated. But he likes us too. There's a delight that God has with us. And we see that in the creation story. When God created the world and God created uh, all the, the animals and all the trees, what does he say? It's good. And then he creates mankind. He goes, it's very good. And he, he, there's this delight in creating us that he wants to share what he has and what he's experienced in relationship with us. 
And there's a, 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 not just does Jesus bring light, but he also points to delight, that God delights in us. God likes us and wants to be with us and wants to share what he has with us. So Jesus has arrived in, in these first five verses. He's arrived radically to shake things up on par with creation, with light illuminating dark things. He is a light in the darkness. And that light, the sole purpose of it is to make God known. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth is to make God known. Let's read about that just a little bit in uh, verse 6 through 18. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human desire or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Again, that'll hurt your brain. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So much we could talk about. We could spend the entire year on just this passage. And we're, no, we're not going to do that. But it, it's amazing to think about. But I love how it ends. Why is he here? To make God known. Cool thing about the word, uh, word when it says the, the word was with God, the Greek word for word is logos, L-O-G-O-S. And it doesn't just mean like, okay, a word or, or a, you know, some letters that have been mashed together. Um, it's a little bit tough to translate. We don't have a perfect equivalent in English, but it basically, a good enough translation is that uh, it's following through on a promise. You know, if you give someone your word, we kind of use it that way. So not only is it, okay, the word, and kind of we know we associate it with the word of God and the written word of God, but it's also... He has a promise that he's following through. So this, it, it could read a little bit like this. In the beginning was God's plan to follow through with his promise. The planned out promise was with God, and the planned out promise was God. If you scroll down all the way to uh, verse 14, it could read this way. And God's plan to follow through with his promise became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it paints this picture, again, that God has this plan, and Jesus coming into the world is him following through on that plan to make him known, to show the goodness of his plan for our life. It's, there's a reason we get the word logo from logos. A logo represents something, right? If you see the little smiley face with a little arrow on it, on a box, maybe you get excited, you're like, oh, there's an Amazon package for me, you know? And maybe that's just me. I, I like open the door about six times a day looking through the package. I, I don't even check my phone to see if I ordered anything, but I'm like, is that truck for me? And, you know, oh, that's the neighbors. 
and I'm just waiting for when I open the door and the Amazon guy's right there and he's like, okay, this is, this is uncomfortable. But I get excited because one little symbol can represent so much, right? And all you, you, you know, okay, the ordering system, a, a logo represents a ton of things. And so Jesus is the logo of God, that his presence and his walking around, he shows all the purposes and all the personhood of who God is through his actions. If you've ever doubted the goodness of God, ever doubted who God is, or does God really care, or gone through hard things, you're like, where's God? You look to Jesus, and you get your answer. You look to Jesus and see his character, and it illuminates, it shines a light in the darkness of who God truly is. And we're meant to know God, and God wants to be known. God's word is not just some words that we can read like a contract. And sometimes, because we're a Bible-believing church, and rightly so, we're like, but the Bible says this, and the Bible says that. And sometimes we can equate a relationship with God simply to knowing our Bibles, and just knowing what it says. And it's important to know our Bibles. But you can't truly know someone through a contract. You can read the contract and come to an understanding. You can read the covenants and know the rules, but you've got to meet a person to know a person. And Jesus is God meeting us saying, I've come to dwell with you. I've come to house with you. I want to meet you, and I want to be with you. I want you to know me. We're going to take this thing to the next level. I've come to dwell with you. You want to truly understand someone? You've got to commit to get to know them. You have to spend time with them. Be open to relationship. Ask good questions. Be a good listener. Endure the rough patches. That's how you get to know somebody. You let them into the mess of your life. You share your emotions, and you trust in that other person vulnerably and you lean on them vulnerably that's how you build a relationship with somebody you know jesus came to be known and sometimes when we're having a hard time or life's rough we keep god at arm's length we can maybe go to god because we know we're supposed to pray but we kind of we forget that god wants to know our mess he wants to know what's really going on in our lives i had kind of a tough week this week uh, it definitely started off rough, got some, some tough news and had to deal with some things. I shared this with some of you guys on Wednesday. And it was overwhelming to think of, oh, man, what, what do I do with this information? This is, I just feel discouraged and distraught. And where's God? And what does this mean? And figuring out all this stuff. But what's cool is that stuff isn't going anywhere. But when I look to Jesus, when I allow Jesus to be the logo of God, it started to change things. When I take my stuff to Jesus, I found myself this week, probably more so than ever, naturally turning to God in prayer when I just felt overwhelmed. In the past, I like to figure things out and fix things. And once I can't fix things, okay, then I'll relent and turn to God. But I, I was like, for once, like my knee-jerk reaction was, I gotta take this to God. I gotta pray to God. And God was, I'm sure like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> like, don't stop trying to fix it on your own. You know, you're working on the wrong thing. Come to me. I've come to dwell with you, dwell with me. I'm here with you in your mess. And if you think your mess is keeping God away, you've got it all wrong. He wants to meet you in the mess. He knows we're messy. He knows we've got issues. He knows we have problems. And he wants to be there through them. He wants to be connected to us. He came to dwell with us to be known. What's cool about the, the middle of this is that we get the decision to reject him or to recognize him. He came to be known and it says he was walking around and some people saw him and rejected him. And, and though he made the world, the world didn't recognize him. Right? It'd be like the, the CEO who started a company walking, you know, undercover boss kind of thing. He's like, but he's not undercover. He's like, I'm right here. I, I want to be known. But the world didn't recognize him. 
They chose not to recognize him. They chose to, instead of recognizing who he was and dwelling with him, they said, we reject you. And they hung him up on a cross. And it's easy to read scripture and be like, what were they thinking? These miracles, you know, he walked on water. Why would anyone ever doubt that? You know, the tomb is empty, this is crazy. But I think today we can be similar. We can find ways to, though we know the truth about God and we see him, though he made all of us and, and worked in our lives to give us opportunities to know him, we find ways to, instead of recognize him, to reject him. And I don't think we reject him straight up. I, again, if you're here at church, most likely you haven't been like, I reject you. Because <laughs> you're here. We want to know God. I think that's in us. But I think we find ways. I think one of the ways that we reject God is, or re reject a relationship with Jesus is we let the small things, the minutia, the hurt feelings, or the frustration disrupt our connection with the Father. We let those things worm their way in and drive a wedge between us and God without dealing with the bitterness or the hurt. And it pulls us away. And again, we don't say that we reject God, but our actions start to look that of a rejecter rather than a recognizer. Well, another way we might reject him is we allow familiarity to drain the miraculous nature of God. I know these miracles. I know God is good. I know he does this stuff. And I read about it. And maybe you have an experience in, in your life where you prayed to God and he didn't answer. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets drained of his miraculous nature when you think about Jesus. Maybe we reject him through simply compartmentalizing him. Yes, Jesus is Lord on Sundays, sometimes on Wednesdays. And he's Lord, you know, when I really need his help. And we kind of put God in a box. And when it's convenient or when it's in my schedule or when it's a part of my life or it works within kind of the narrative of what I want, we reject him. Or we, we, we like him in those forms and then we reject him in other times. Or sometimes we just subjectively decide, I like this about Jesus, I don't like this about Jesus. So we accept the parts of Jesus that we like and reject the parts that we don't. That is called rejecting who Jesus is. Right? If you do that in, in any relationship, that can be quite hurtful. Hey, I love these things about you. I don't like these things about you. So if you're like this, I'm, I'm, you know, in a meaningful relationship, you, you have to take the person who they are. And you have to deal with that. And so when we pick and choose, we actually are rejecting Jesus. But I think the most common thing that we do is that uh, we just keep God at a safe distance. Recently, uh, my neighbor and I went to the movies. Uh, we like going to the movies. My neighbor across the street and uh, one of us will drive, and we'll talk a little bit on the way. We don't know each other super well. You know, like you're kind of close with your neighbor, but it's maybe surface level most of the time. So we, we're, we're building a relationship, and we're, we're talking. But when you get to the movie theater, and men will probably understand this, and you go and, and are, are picking a seat to go and sit in, one sits in one seat, and you might think that the other guy will sit right next to him. No, no, no. You have what you call the buffer seat. <laughs> The empty chair in between two guys at the movie theater. You know, I don't, I don't need my leg touching up against your leg. You know, I don't, we're not sharing popcorn here. We got the buffer seat, right? And I was telling this to Elena. Elena went to the movies with a neighbor recently who she barely knew. And they, of course, sat right next to each other and were best friends during the movie. She's like, a buffer seat? What are you talking about? And, and, but in, that's just kind of what, what people do, especially when you don't know each other. Now, Josue and I go to the movies, and I need to sit next to him because we go to see the Jurassic Park movies, and I get scared, and I need to kind of lean into him, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but when you're close to somebody, there's no buffer zone. 
But I think with God, what we can do sometimes in our life, especially if we've been around church and Christianity for a long time, is God is there, he's in the theater, he's in the same row, but you got the buffer seat. Now why do we do that? I think that goes back to the very beginning, literally in the beginning. The very nature of Jesus is he brings about transformation. If you get too close to Jesus, you might have to change. So if we keep him away... We can stay as we are. We get the perks, but we don't get the relationship that changes us. To dwell with Jesus means to change. You can't dwell with him and not change. And you can't change without dwelling with him. You cannot dwell without change, and you cannot change without dwelling. And again, it's the new year. We want to change. We want to grow. That begins when we choose to dwell with Jesus. And he has come here to dwell with us. He's made the move. He says, come, come dwell with me. I want to be with you. But we can resist the change that comes with that. And by the way, that change is good. It's uncomfortable, but it's good. Because that means we're going to be more like Jesus. You know when you hang out with someone for a long time and you start picking up on their mannerisms? And you start talking like them or acting like them a little bit or picking up on saying words that they say? When when we're close to Jesus, the change that's going to happen is we're going to be more like Jesus. When we allow ourselves to to humbly and and, uh, um, vulnerably turn to Jesus. And sometimes that means getting with other people repeatedly and opening yourself up and saying, hey, this is what's going on. Can can you help me come back to Jesus? Can you you bring it back to Jesus for me? Sometimes uh, we resist change. The change that could come from just asking another parent for advice about your parenting. Sometimes we don't want to ask that question because it means whatever answer I get, I got to make some changes. And so we're like, if I don't ask, then I don't have to change anything. But if we ask, who knows what God can bring about through that humility and bringing it back to the scriptures. Sometimes we don't want to set goals or even read God's word because it will mean that something has to change. But if we dwell with him, the necessary change and the good change that God wants to bring about in our life will happen. Light will shine in the darkness if you're close to the light. That's the very nature of light. I always say this. If you're in a room and one room is dark and the other room is light and you open the door in between them, it's not like it levels out and the room that was light gets a little bit dimmer. It does get out. The house is haunted. You know, scary. Something bad's going on. But no, you open the door. The room that's dark gets brighter and the brightness of the room that was already bright is unaffected. It's not like it loses any light. It just brightens up the other place. And so for us, if we want our lives changed, if we want to be close, we've got to dwell with him and let the light shine in the darkness. It's the very nature of God. He brings about change, and he, he, he desires to move and change our lives. I got with some of the, uh, the men in the professionals ministry on Tuesday and, and asked the question, what is your focus for this year? And some people are anti-goals, but what is your focus? What, are, what is it you're focusing on? When we're not purposeful, we're aimless. Not usually a good combination, but what, what is your focus? And the challenge was select a focus and then pick a scripture to go with that. Right? It shouldn't just be like, oh, I want to work on this, but, but let that focus be driven by the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so I, my, my challenge to us this morning is very similar. The practical is, is just like in the beginning was the word, we as a church, let's begin with the word. To let it begin, whatever it is. It could be a goal, something you want to work on, a new relationship, whatever. Let it begin with the word. 
have a plan to be in God's word this year. Have a focus for this year, this month, to be in God's word. And my other challenge is in the fellowship today, ask each other, hey, what, what do you, what's your plan to be in God's word this year, this month, this week? I want to know. And if you're like, I don't have one, what a great reason to ask other people. Hey, I want to know what you're doing to get close to Jesus, to dwell in his word, because I want to do the same thing. And let's allow our fellowship to be filled up with conversations about God's word so that we, like the beginning, can start with the word. Amen? He chose to make his dwelling among us. I'll close with, uh, um, I think it's Psalm 46. It's not in my notes, but uh, we're told in a psalm, I think 46, to be still and to know that he is God. Psalm 46, you guys can confirm. Okay, amen. To be still and know he is God. I've always read that verse as you're overwhelmed, be still, and you better know that he's God. Calm down, know that he's God. Stop freaking out. Know that he's God. But recently I was reading a book and a commentary, and it might not be so much be still and and know what you should know. And it's more as you're still, as you dwell with God, as you connect with the creator, you will know that he is God. Be still and discover that he is God. Think about that for a second. As we dwell with him, not just does our life get better or we change or this or that happens, but we come to a fuller understanding of who God is and we we learn truly that he is God let's dwell with God together let's be still and know that he is God and let the light shine in the darkness let's stand and sing Waymaker together